Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Earlier today, Minnesota Governor Tim Walz released their COVID-19 vaccine distribution plan. Say that 10 times fast. So we're going to give you the most important pieces of what was said earlier today in the presser. And then after the presser, he also held a conference call with several greater Minnesota mayors. One of those being Moorhead Mayor Jonathan Judd. I had a chance to ask both of them some questions. So please be sure and stick around for that. We want to start here just even off what I just said, a COVID-19 vaccine. We've been now in this COVID-19 situation for, let's say, what, eight, nine months, folks. And we are talking about that we are on the cusp of a vaccine being distributed to Americans. That is Operation Warp Speed. I mean, almost impossible to think that was even fathomable eight, nine months ago, but it shows the power of Operation Warp Speed. And look, whether you're you, you like vaccines, you're an anti-vaxxer. That's not the point of this conversation. The point is the fact that President Trump said, hey, we're going to get this done in warp speed. And that's exactly what happened. In fact, I want to share with you, uh, earlier today, President Trump held a press conference talking about, I think he signed an executive order saying that we are going to put America first. <laughs> what a novel idea. We are going to put Americans first when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine distribution. But I want to share the quick video because remember all these experts, right? have been telling you to lock down, do this, do that. That's going to mitigate the COVID or the spread of COVID-19. Well, let's know what some of these experts also said about the possibility of getting a vaccine in warp speed. You told the American people that we would have a vaccine before the end of the year, and some scoffed at that timetable. A vaccine by the end of this year, is that possible in your view? Oh, Brian, you know, it's another day of uh, POTUS in Wonderland here. Uh, it is preposterous. Could be January, could be later. We don't know. So the whole process is going to take a year and a year and a half at least. They're certainly not going to be ready to start poking people in the arms real soon. I still think 12 to 18 months is an aggressive schedule, and I think it's going to take longer than that to do so. There's no prospect that there's going to be a vaccine available for the majority of the American people before the middle of next year. It is impossible to get that done by the end of the year. Operation Warp Speed is unequaled and unrivaled anywhere in the world. The single greatest mobilization in U.S. history, pioneering, developing, and manufacturing therapies and vaccines in record time. Operation Warp Speed is doing something that's never been done before in history. The first Americans will get shots in arms in the second half of December. That's incredible, Elizabeth. The, the timeline has just been jaw-dropping. We were able to and empowered to make all the right calls and decisions. Even CNN saying, this is incredible, this is jaw-dropping. And there you saw Dr. Fauci, the expert, saying it's going to be at least a year, a year and a half. And we've done that, I mean, like I said, eight to nine months, Operation Warp Speed. So, again, whether you like vaccines or not, you got to tip your hat to President Trump for getting it done to give people more certainty about the situation. And we see what's happening with the stock market because of all the breaking news regarding vaccines. Now, let's talk about Minnesota for a moment, get a little bit closer to home here in Governor Wall's press conference. I want to start with just sharing with you um, the numbers that they have coming into the state in a short period of time. So they're they're presuming here that by the end of this week, next week is when they're going to get the green light to begin distribution. We've talked about this before. It's roughly going to be maybe 24, 48 hours that once the FDA does give it the green light, they can begin to ship it out. So the first shipment will be a little over 46,000. You can see the other numbers there. Probably not 
you know, as high of a number that Minnesota would like to have. But again, uh, it's a start. It's a start if you're someone that wants to get vaccinated and they talk about how they prioritize some of those things throughout the press conference. We've mentioned this before when North Dakota had their presser last week. You've got sort of this 1A group, which is going to be healthcare workers, people in long term care facilities. 1B is going to be first responders, teachers. So, again, we'll keep you abreast of how this thing breaks down and who's making the decisions on how this is getting distributed. More on that in a moment, because those people, you know, that's a lot of pressure on those people to decide how are we going to do this? Who's going to get the vaccine or not? And there's some interesting data that Minnesota is using to determine who's going to end up uh, getting the vaccine first, because many people are asking, hey, is this thing going to be mandatory? Am I going to have to do this? I want to share with you a little bit about what Governor Walsh said earlier today. I do want to make note of this because that building up that trust, there is no mandate for you to take the vaccine. This is under emergency use authorization. That in itself precludes it, but that's not what we've done along. We're trying to make sure that the compliance is there, that you understand taking the vaccine not only protects you and your health on COVID-19, it protects your neighbor, much like masking, much like social distancing. So again, no mandate here for the vaccine in Minnesota. Um, We'll continue to follow that for you as well. And stay with me for a phone call or the conversation that I had with Governor Walls earlier today about reopening Minnesota. First, I just mentioned that there's going to be different variables that they're going to look at and how they're going to determine who's going to get the vaccine first or not. One of the variables they talked about today was called a social variability index. And so I want to give you uh, some information on that. This is from the CDC excuse me, a social vulnerability index. It's a social vulnerability index. You can see here what I've highlighted at the bottom. It says the CDC SVI ranks each tract on 15 social factors, including poverty, lack of vehicle access, crowded housing, and groups them into four related themes. So this is a factor that is going into the quote-unquote equation in Minnesota on how they're going to determine who ends up getting the vaccine first or second, or third, or fourth, and so on. And so I want to share with you, earlier today at the presser, uh, they had a pediatrician out of St. Cloud get up to speak. She's also on this, I guess you would call it a panel group of people that are sitting down and looking at, okay, what are the factors we're going to look at and how we distribute this COVID-19 vaccine? I want to share with you a little bit about uh, what she had to say earlier today. The group reviewed many different allocation scenarios. We looked at models to determine how distribution of the vaccine may affect areas and populations within our state. For example, as you heard before, we have clear data showing that areas of high social vulnerability are more likely to become areas of rapidly increasing COVID incidence especially those areas with a high percentage of ethnic and minority residents and individuals living in crowded housing conditions. We also know that areas with high social vulnerability have a higher case fatality rate. Using this information, we recommended that the state allocate the vaccine based on population with some percentage of the allocation dedicated to regions with populations of high social vulnerability. So I wanted to share that with you just so you're aware of one of the factors that's going into their decision-making process. Um, would love to know your thoughts on the Musinet Social Vulnerability Index. Again, it's from the CDC, uh, but they made you know several points about that today in the pressure. So it seems to be a somewhat important piece that they're going to be utilizing in their decision-making process. All right, as I mentioned at the top of the show earlier today, Minnesota Governor Tim Wallace, his team, and several mayors from Greater Minnesota, uh, they held a conference call to talk about vaccine distribution in Greater Minnesota. Had a chance to ask Governor Wallace a couple questions and Mayor Judd 
as well. Thanks so much for doing this call, and I don't know who was just speaking, but thank you for all your hard work as well. I know you guys have been working more than overtime. And so, Governor Wallace, this question, I'm going to start with you. As an old football coach, you've been in the guard. As you look out into the future, and someone sort of alluded to this question, but what, what metrics or metric are you going to focus on where you can finally say, you know what, it's time to reopen all restaurants, put people in stadiums, you know, just basically reopen Minnesota? Yeah, well, thanks, Chris. No, that's the one, and you're right. I I think when people, whether it be in schools or or sports or or businesses opening, we need to get we need to get things back going. And of course, the virus makes that difficult. I think, Chris, the metrics that we've looked at all along certainly are those hospitalizations and those case positivity rates. Uh, again, we're in a little bit of a a plateau right now. I think the mitigations that we do, the masking, the social distancing, that coupled as we start to gain mass around um, vaccinations. And I think it's important for folks to know it, it takes about 70% of the public to get vaccinated till you kind of get that uh, that so-called herd immunity till you have enough folks out there to be able to fight this off. We'll be gaining to that. I think, again, Chris, we've always seen it as a turning of the dial. I think we'll see that dial start to be able to turn relatively quickly on certain things. And on others, it's just going to be hard. And I, I tell you, it's the, the things that we enjoy the most, sitting in crowded restaurants or bars, watching football games in a crowded stadium. Those are the places where the virus does the best. And, and that's going to take a little while. But I've said, Chris, and I think on a timeline, that, that I think you can see things being in pretty good shape by the time the trees start to bud out. By the time baseball starts, it's my hope that we'd be able to be at a Twins game with, with a full house. Um, so it's going to take a while, but things will start to. And I have to tell you this, we got to get those kids back in school. Um, that will certainly be sooner, and we have to just keep moving it. So how, how much will the vaccination rate play into your decision-making? Well, it will help. It will be a part of that, and, and Director Ayersman and the team over there will be, be showing that as a number. It will make a difference, and I think you'll start to see it will then have an effect on case positivity rates, hospitalizations, and then, of course, death rates. So um, that will that will make a difference, and you should start to see it. Again, I would tell people, we don't know. It's a little too early to tell, but we, we think that there has been a little bit of change in the data. Um, You've seen it in North Dakota, South Dakota. Um, now we're seeing it here that it appears like there's a bit of a leveling off. If we're able to come in behind that with vaccinations and that rate continues to pick up, I think you'll start to see that relatively quickly. And we will obviously, you know, measure that in. It's my goal, as I said, to get folks back into schools, into businesses, and back into normal routines as quick as we can. Thank you. Mayor Judd, quick question for you, sir. Um, you know, you're, you've got an important voice in Moorhead. You said you've got a lot of confidence in this vaccine. I'm just curious what kind of research have you been doing to give you that kind of confidence? Well, thank you for the uh, question, Chris. Uh, you know, the research that I've done is based on the experts that I'm listening to uh, in the uh, great state of Minnesota. Uh, we obviously have got a uh, world-class facility here with the uh, Mayo Clinic, and also we've got experts here that are working as a part of Governor Walz's team. Uh, to, that I've been listening to and following throughout this whole pandemic process. So uh, that's where my confidence comes from, and I uh, am very confident, as I stated uh, earlier <clears throat> in this vaccine, I talked to my, my wife uh, earlier over lunch. She's very confident in this vaccine, and so I think we're looking forward to moving forward when it's our turn, uh, taking our turn to take the vaccine and hopefully getting through all of this. Thanks, you guys. And again, thanks for all the hard work everybody on this call is putting in. We appreciate it.
So I'd love to know your thoughts on those on that little Q&A right there. You know, Governor Wall is serving the guard. I mentioned that he's he's a football coach. You know, going into something, what your exit strategy needs to be. And that was the importance of the question I asked was, hey, what are going to be the metrics? What are the variables that you're going to focus on so that you can begin to turn the dials and say, you know what, we need to totally reopen Minnesota now. We've got this kind of vaccination rate or hospitalization rate or whatever those variables are. But you got to have clarity. If you're going to utilize an exit strategy or, as I would say, a reopen Minnesota strategy, there needs to be clarity on, number one, what variables you're going to focus on and what exactly are the numbers that you're going to be looking at to make those kind of determination. It gives everybody certainty. It gives everybody confidence right now, which is what so many people need due to this COVID fatigue. Also, let me know your thoughts, what you heard there from Mayor Judd. He's an attorney. So I asked him, he said during the, the conference call earlier, hey, I've got a lot of confidence here in this COVID-19 vaccine. He's an attorney. So that's why I asked him, so what kind of research have you done that gives you such a high level of confidence in this vaccine? He says, basically, I'm just listening to the experts uh, around the area. So I don't know if there was a lot of research done there than just maybe listening to uh, what other people have been suggesting around the vaccine. I bring this up because Mayor Judd's an attorney. You may have seen the news recently that um, president-elect, if we can use that term, Joe Biden, which... Uh, also today, President Trump and his presser is like, we, hey, we don't know who the next administration is going to be. It's going to be a Trump administration, a Biden administration. We, we, we don't know right now. So I bring all this up because what's fascinating, folks, is that um, Joe Biden has said he's going to have the Attorney General of California lead the Health and Human Services Department. So zero uh, health. He's not a doctor. He's got zero health background. He's an attorney going to be running the Health and Human Services Department, assuming he gets confirmed by the Senate. We'll talk about that with Senator Kramer uh, more on Thursday night. Um, also, there is a group of people that are suggesting that there is some, this, these are their words, that there's some fraud within the election in Minnesota in 2020, definitely some abnormality. So I want to play for you just a short clip of um, the conversation I had with some of these people earlier today. There's much more up on our Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash POV now if you want to see it in its entirety. But here's just some of that conversation. As we all know, there's a big conversation right now about our elections on November 3rd and were they filled with integrity or not. So we've got some special guests joining us now uh, from a more local level to keep it more towards Minnesota. You may have heard some allegations about potential fraud in Minnesota as well. So some people that are alleging that are joining us today. We've got, I love this, here are a couple, Jose and Sandra Jimenez. Uh, he ran as the state Senate seat in District 57. She ran for the House seat. He's also an attorney. So to both of you, thanks so much for joining us here on this live stream. And also Donna Bergstrom ran in District 7 in the Duluth area as a Senate candidate as well. So Donna, thank you so much for your time. Um, Jose and Sandra, I wanted to start with you, if you don't mind just sharing a little bit about your story, uh, why you're alleging, I don't know if fraud's too strong of a word for you, but why you're alleging there was at least misconduct in this election and where do we go from here? Well, thank you, Chris, uh, again, for inviting us and having us on board today. Uh, this really started the night of the election. Both Sandra and I were ahead in our races. And at, at midnight, we were well ahead of our, our competitors, our, the incumbents. And then all of a sudden, the famous Dakota County glitch happens at 2 o'clock in the morning. And then we lost all of a sudden. 19,000 votes were processed in two hours. Uh, God, I wonder what happened. And my daughter, our daughter, ran in 2016. Same exact thing happened back then. She was ahead at midnight. And by two o'clock, the, the glitch happened, and then all the votes went against her. 
We found out since then that the Dominion voting systems are being used in Dakota County and six other counties in Minnesota. So that's the night when Minnesota election integrity started. And we said we, we reached out to our GOP officials as well as our, our, our chair people. And we said, you need to do something. And they chose not to uh, get involved. We said, okay, we're going to give ourselves permission to do that. And we've done that. So, and Sonny, I'm going to give you a chance, but just to kind of, and this is my job here, is to play devil's advocate and push back at times. So there's an article in the Star Trib uh, at the end of November, and I'm quoting here. It says, our voting equipment is incredibly accurate, and the post-election review in front of you proves that. David Maeda, the state's director of elections, told the five-person state canvas in this article. So what say you to David? What's interesting, Chris, is that if that were the case, then why did they? Why did Dakota County accept $613,000 three weeks before the election from the uh, liberal organization of Center for Technology and Civic Life for helping with election uh, process. So those kind of monies coming in from the outside without the public being aware, without the legislature authorizing that kind of money makes you wonder what's actually going on. Secondly, when we did the actual uh, post-election review, we were actually on the ground watching as machine ballots were compared right. to manual ballots and we found out that the numbers were way off. So they could tell us it's clean, but we actually have evidence where in one case, the opponent, the uh, candidate had 200 votes. They crossed it out and said, no, they actually had 800. And then they made the two columns match. So we actually have pictures of worksheets and we have a picture of a worker bringing in ballots in her purse. So when you see with people on the ground, you actually see what's happening, Chris. So Sandra, go ahead, Sandra. Well, also, um, the machines went down again in that famous uh, period between 12 and 2. But if you listen, it sounded like that happened nationwide. Well, is that a coincidence that all the machines that are offline kind of go down at the same time? I've, you know, I, I think it was Rudy Giuliani on Sunday. I was on Maria Bartiromo's show and suggested there was somebody in D.C. sort of you know, moving all the moving parts here to, to operate this thing from one place. He didn't know who. And again, that that's alleged. Thank you to all of them for joining us earlier today on our social media channels. And again, if you want to watch that conversation in full, just go to facebook.com forward slash POV now. All right. Please share your point of view with us, because when we come back, we're going to get to your points of view. A lot of fantastic stuff coming in. And as you know, it's very easy to share your point of view with us. Just email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.